0: This is UKFI Pod. Welcome, y'all. As the first UK-specific FI podcast, UKFI Pod aims to bring you stories and introduce you to characters in the UK FI space. Hi, everyone. Welcome to UKFI Pod. And I'm very privileged today to have someone that's actually... Not an FI blogger, but is very well known to everybody in the FI blog world in the UK, a fat Brit abroad who's a very, very regular commenter. Hi there.
1: Hi, Zia. Thank you for having me on. That's yeah, great. I describe myself as a as a FI groupie. I think so. I so yeah, <laughs>
0: it'd be great to hear how you'd introduce yourself to people there. Listening to the podcast and interested in FI in the UK.
1: Yeah, well, as I say, I, I describe myself as a FI groupie. So I've always been uh, a, a saver. Uh, I'm I'm uh, 37. I uh, I live in uh, a suburb of of Reading. Um, and I first became interested when I was researching. Uh, investing about five or six years ago, and came across the uh, retirement investing today Ooh. website, yep. and also Munavator. Uh-huh. So, so yeah, I actually found retirement investing today to start with, and uh, that that led me onto the uh, FI community, and then I just, uh, as with most things, I do, I uh, I started reading everything I could. Um, so I found all your various blogs.
0: And that got you hooked?
1: <laughs> it did, yeah. I tend to be like that. So yeah, I, I listen to podcasts and read blogs almost every day now. So
0: Great. So are you willing to share your demographics and money details with the listeners?
1: Yeah. So as I say, I'm uh, I'm 37. Uh, I live, uh, live in Reading uh, and I work in the finance industry, but not not financial advice, uh, actually business insurance. Um, I do have a, a partner um, and uh, I also I don't have any siblings or anything, but I have a mother who lives close by and a father that lives in Panama.
0: Ooh, that's exciting, uh, family
1: holidays. Yeah. Yes. So um, yeah, money details wise. So I earn a good salary. At, I'd say high five figures. Uh huh. Um, and um, yeah, that changed dramatically probably about five or six years ago. Yeah,
0: it's one I thing was we're always interested earn- in hearing. How did you get there?
1: <laughs> yeah. So um, so yeah, I was earning probably just above the average kind of salary. And we were offered new contracts at work where um, your pay was flexible, but you could be paid as a percentage of the book of business that you look after. And at the time, I suddenly realized I was vastly underpaid for the the amount of work and the amount of clients that I had. So for me, it was a no-brainer. I could have lost half my, my account and still Still got a very healthy pay rise, so I signed up immediately.
0: So going to a more um, commission-based model really worked for you.
1: Yeah, no bonuses, but um, yeah, basically every year there was no pay discussions. It was just your salary, your account went up by ten percent. You got a ten percent pay rise, so so that's been great. Um, yeah, and I'm now actually coming off that contract now to. Uh, uh, to back onto a fixed salary because the downside is probably more, more <laughs> probably worse than the upside now. So, um, so yeah, so that's enabled me to save. I have uh, come to a little bit of lifestyle inflation, but I still save a healthy amount. I'm I'm not quite up where where you are, but uh, probably save about thirty. 30- Five percent of my income between my pension and and uh, and my ISA.
0: So that's still very impressive. It will probably, with a good salary, take you to FI, won't it?
1: Yeah. Well, that's the idea. I'd like to kind of become financially independent, kind of late 40s, uh, uh, early 50s. That's mm-hmm. what I'm aiming for. Still, I'm still trying to reduce my expenses. So uh, I've mentioned on some of the blog comments I have a silly car which I lease.
0: What is it, uh, Kate?
1: it sounds fun. Which I, yeah, which I deeply regret now. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I'll get rid of that next year. Um, but, yeah, net, net worth-wise, um, if you include my house, I'm probably close to half a million. Um, I'm trying now to get more... More flexible net net worth. So what you'd call your your fire fund, I guess. So I'm now trying to to build up my uh, my non house equity and mostly in pensions. And I'm trying to build up my ISA at the moment.
0: Yeah, sounds great. Impressive net worth there. Coming up yeah, to so,
1: big numbers. Yeah, there's there's a lot of it that's uh, that's house equity. Um. So yeah, not as much in the in the ices, but I'm uh, I'm trying to trying to build that up now. So
0: oh,
1: I've I just do love my... an ICE. Yes. So so yeah, I've got about six figures outside of the pension and uh, uh, and my home. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, just concentrating on that now. Um, I've always put a lot into a, a, a pension so that's always done me well even when I wasn't earning a lot I'd always put uh, between 10 and 15% into my uh, into my pension so, uh, so 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 yeah I have probably more in a pension than, than anything else at the moment
0: It's well, quite common in the UK isn't it? everyone has seems to have a pension and have money in it
1: yeah, I don't know. I I know there's a lot there's a lot of people I know who are on similar salaries that don't don't have a lot uh, a lot in their pension. I, I think the pension industry is still very mistrusted. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people don't understand pensions uh, and how powerful they can be, particularly f- f- for uh, for high earners. Yeah, because that
0: tax deferment, if you're a higher rate taxpayer, is yes. very good.
1: Yeah, I mean, certainly when I, you know, when I saw my new contract and I became a higher rate taxpayer, I, I immediately started upping the amount I put into a pension. Um, but as I say, I've never realised uh, that uh, the lifetime allowance, although I'm nowhere near that limit, I hasten to add, but with inflation and, and the amount I'm putting in, I, I do have to be conscious of that, which is, I never thought that would be a problem. <laughs>
0: Yeah, because didn't they say it's just over a million now, yeah. which gives you an income roughly forty k a year. Yeah,
1: yeah, and particularly in the uh, you know even kind of public sector workers or or uh, the teachers, you know, headmasters and things like that. They're yeah. all with the uh, with the generous government pensions. I can see that being a problem for a lot of them.
0: Yeah, they were saying that weren't they? Lots of the top rank of the civil services. Going to start wanting to retire early because yeah. the maths on that are not great.
1: No, no, I can see it being a, a problem. I have a few friends that work for the NHS and uh, I've tried to explain just how good their pensions are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, fourteen, fifteen 15% employer contribution is pretty amazing. Oh,
0: I, I always laugh, I'll never get as good pensions as my parent got. No. But they were real gold-plated civil service ones, non-contributory for lots of years and...
1: Yeah, so yeah, my my dad has a final salary pension, so, hence why he's no longer in the UK.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That means he can explore the extravagant life in Panama.
1: Yes. (laughs) So, So, yeah.
0: So here's a really good question, how would you describe financial independence to a layman or someone who was just interested a bit but didn't really know so much?
1: Well the way I see it, it's um, it's a combination of uh, reducing your uh, your expenses um, and or increasing earnings and then knowing what to do with the difference mm-hmm. um, So, learning about investments uh, and and things like asset allocation. Um, So, as I say, to start with, I've always been a a saver, but I only only got into investing about five or six years ago. Mm -hmm. Like most people didn't really know what I was doing, started buying shares randomly. Um, And, uh, and yeah, that's... uh, um, yeah, so that that's how I describe it to a and it's uh, it's increasing your savings rate as much as possible, and uh, optimizing the dif- the difference between your earnings and your expenses. Yeah, I don't know what, so- whether you'd agree with that.
0: Yeah, I like that definition, and I think what's really personal about FI is probably alluding to what you said earlier about where you're very comfortable with your savings rate at the moment, and you know you could increase it, but it's not worth it to you. You prefer enjoying your life now and working those extra years in your high-paying job.
1: Yeah, it's a slightly more uh, extravagant lifestyle than a lot of people, but as I say, I am learning um, that uh, it's more experiences for me Mm -hmm. than uh, material things.
0: Okay, exciting then, more experience. Is it expensive holidays, cars?
1: Yeah, uh, not so much the cars anymore. I've realised, as I say, I have been had a silly car for for a little while that I kind of regret that, but um, certainly travel. Mm -hmm. Um, And also uh, I'm into kind of my music, so particularly rock music. So I go to festivals. Mm -hmm. Um, I go to a lot of music gigs in London. So, uh, so yeah, just that kind of thing, and building memories, really.
0: Yeah, I like that. So I know there's a lot of um, what's the word? commentary and opinion pieces online on financial independence and who it's suitable for. Do you think it is suitable for everyone, or if it's a niche pursuit? Or
1: I think the principles can apply to anyone. I think you know the idea of avoiding debt. Of uh, of um, having your uh, of optimizing your uh, your kind of expenses that can apply to anyone. I think particularly in the south, it, it it's a, it's certainly a lot easier if you have a high income. You know you can have a very very nice lifestyle um, on you know thirty k forty k year expenses and still save a decent amount. Um, and that obviously makes it a lot easier but uh, as i say i think the uh you know trying to save as much as possible and understanding uh financial products i think that can that sh- can and should apply to everyone it's almost more important if you're a low earner
0: yeah so that's some this was really good advice for people to always understand the products and what they can do with their money is there yes. any other advice you'd give to people that are interested in starting out or progressing
1: um, along the path? I mean, it's kind of the advice I've given to a few friends of mine. I've been helping them with their with their finances, and it's uh, you know don't just do things because there's other people that you know that are doing them. Um, understand why you're doing them, so you know index investing is a great example so you know don't just do it because it's now the in vogue thing for a lot of people understand um you know why index investing is so powerful Um i i listened to a a great podcast the other day by jl collins in america Uh Um, and he taught he, he taught me a few new things about index investing the idea that uh that, you know, where, where you're investing in, a, in thousands of different companies, the, the, the lowest downside you can have for that company is 100%. But the upside is can be thousands or tens of thousands percent, you know, in the case of people, companies like Apple or Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're always going to get, or I believe you're always going to get growth and if if a, if a business fails it just drops out of that index um so so yeah investing i think can be very scary for people if you don't understand um so the other piece of advice i'd give is understand that your isa is basically just the opposite of your pension um, I'm embarrassed to admit, despite working in financial services, I only truly understood that probably five or six years ago.
0: Yeah, um, like What you mean by the opposite?
1: So, so your pension basically is generally paid out of your gross salary, um, but it's taxed on the way out. It might be taxed at a lower a lower amount than your income bracket, but it, it will be taxed. Uh, Whereas your pensions are um, paid out of your net salary, but everything that you make in them is uh, is tax free. But what they're invested in, especially if you have a stocks and shares ISA, can be exactly the same thing. I guess that's what I mean. You know, there's lots of people I know that have cash ISAs, and almost everyone I know, as you say, is at least paying something into a pension. And yet you ask them if they, if they want to invest and they say, oh, no, the stock market is scary. We could lose money. But they don't seem to make the connection that they're already investing.
0: Yeah, lots so, of people are in default choices in pensions rather than.
1: Yeah, and it depends. You know, I can see that being the next big mis-selling scandal. Um, there's a lot of pensions that are truly awful.
0: Uh, yeah. company
1: pensions. So, it just depends how good your, uh, your employer is. Uh,
0: so, are you willing to share how you invest today, what, what your asset allocation is and
1: yeah, what got definitely. you there? So, I probably keep um, about three to six months in cash. Uh, I'm actually reducing the amount of cash at the moment I, I have because I, I think I'm at a stage now where I can afford to be a bit more risky
2: yeah. you know I
1: have a stable job and and uh, again from a, a podcast that I was listening to the other day it talked about letting go of your emergency fund which is something I'd never really considered
0: Yeah, I don't have so, one but uh, I'm brave
1: yeah well I think once you know especially when you've got the kind of net worth you have it you can and with the ready access to to credit card debt and things like that that we've we yeah. can get, um, you know, we could always pay it off quite quickly. Yeah, so thank you. Cash emergency. flow, and
0: I'm sure you'll be able to cash flow most of what people call emergencies.
1: Yeah, you know, I could lay my hands on a couple of thousand most months. So, um, so yeah, it, it would have to be a pretty big issue, uh, <laughs> and I don't see me. Um, Losing my job anytime soon? So touch wood.
0: And your riff looks good, yeah.
1: Yeah, so I then also invest in um, in stocks and shares ISAs mainly through uh, through Vanguard. Uh-huh. I'm in the Life Strategy 100. Oh. Uh-huh. Uh, choice. Yeah, and I I've also diversified um via my partner's ICER as well because uh, she's not really into investing so i've I've used her um, her isa as well uh, to invest in blackrock consensus and yeah. um, just basically to diversify a little away from vanguard as well i know they're both you know splitting hairs as to what they're invested in it's more slight like paranoia i guess having too much with one one
0: yeah one manager yeah
1: yeah. Um, and then the bit that I seem to be a bit, a bit braver than some people is I've got about twenty percent of my my uh my non-property net worth in uh, peer-to-peer. All right.
0: What well, sort of peer-to-peer?
1: Um. So I I've got various different um, pots depending on what I'm going to use them for. So I use uh, a company called Able Rate. Okay. Which is what I, I, uh, I deem my very high risk. Um, so they are manually selected loans. And basically, again, I'm diversified across almost every loan and on that. I don't pretend to be a, a business expert, so I'm, uh, I've basically now just got less than the, the interest that I've earned in each loan. So maybe a few hundred pounds in each one. Um, and then I use a company called Lending Works which I would say is probably a lower lower risk version of peer-to-peer and that is um, loans to individuals uh, but it's also backed by not only a provision fund so kind of a pot of money to protect you if the uh, if they get a high default rate, but each loan also comes with personal accident and fraud, and unemployment insurance for the borrower, so that's a neat kind of feature of it. So it's almost got two layers of protection. Um, but you still get about six percent return. Yeah.
0: So have you had any losses on them, or is it? No, like- oh. nothing
1: yet. Um, so, products like LendingWorks are what they call auto diversification products. So, you can put your money in, and it, probably a pound is lent to each person. So, um, and then uh, I also use a company called Assets Capital, which is very similar. It doesn't have the, the insurance protection that the others do, but it, uh, it's kind of an easy access. And again, it's it's lending to both businesses and individuals. And mm-hmm. um, so those are my three main ones, and then I have a little bit in rate setter and a couple of others to get the because uh, you get bonus sign up bonuses. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think peer to peer is you have the platform risk, so the risk of the platform actually defaulting. Um, but I think if you like any kind of investment, if you if you research it and and understand what they what they're in, and what the downside could be, I, you know, I'd certainly never risk a large proportion of my my net worth. But for returns between kind of five and thirteen percent, which is the the able rate, gives you thirteen mm, yeah. percent. I'm certainly willing to uh, to risk a, a few thousand out of out of my net worth. Was that? Yeah. Definitely
0: makes sense. What sort of percentage would you say you have in stocks or bonds or cash or peer-to-peer loans?
1: Um, pro- probably twenty percent in peer-to-peer. I probably have another. Let's think. Probably about ten to fifteen percent in cash, and then the other seventy percent is all in all in equities. I'm not really a fan of bonds. All the research I've done, I think bonds aren't going to do what what they were what they were always traditionally meant to do now, because of low interest rates and quantitative easing. And mm-hmm. um, so, I don't have a lot of bonds. And also, because I'm young, I can afford to uh, to take the risk of the, the volatility. Yeah,
0: sounds like you've put a lot of effort into that investment strategy. Is it taking you years to get there, or?
1: Yeah, as I say, it was always traditionally. I'd always been kind of uh, a fan of money-saving expert and moving my money to get the best rates on Mm -hmm. cash savings. But as I say, it was only once I started um, investing. Um, As I say, I did the usual thing. I think I bought EasyJet shares and a couple of other shares and didn't do too badly apart from EasyJet, which lost about a third of what I put in it. (laughs) And obviously, I did the usual thing of panicking and taking it straight back oh. out again. <laughs> you crystallized um, your loss. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, but fortunately, it was only with, you know, kind of pin money to, to, to try and understand it. And as I say, that's when I found the, the financial independence, you know, I kind of Googled, I think, asset, how to invest properly and something, yeah, either, either retirement investing today came up, or Monovator, and that was just like a light bulb moment for me. Um, and I, I then went on to read uh, a couple of John Bogle's books from Vanguard, which I found very heavy going. As I say, I'm not a technically minded person, um, but I got my head around it, and it just made total sense to me. Um I do dabble with a couple of active funds as well. So I've bought the Fundsmith fund, um, uh, the global equity one, and uh, also uh, another interesting fund called Pantheon, which is basically as far away from a a passive fund as you can get it in a lot in a lot of equity and startups. Um so they, they, it was just really interesting to me, so I thought I'd put a bit in that. So, sorry, that's my smoke alarm going off. Yeah, you're off. okay there. <laughs> I also have a lodger.
0: All right. <laughs> so someone burnt um, the toast or something, yeah. Yes,
1: yeah. So that, that that's something else I do for, for income is I rent to a friend of mine. Oh, How would
0: you um, find that?
1: It's all right, yeah. I mean, it, it works for both of us. He he gets cheap rent. I don't charge him a lot because I don't really feel comfortable profiting out of friends. Uh-huh. So he just pays me kind of pigeon rent relative around here. But it's a it's a tax-free income because uh, you can obviously rent rooms um, tax-free to a certain amount. Uh-huh. Um, so, um, so that's another kind of income stream for me.
0: Moving on from investments and all the, as well saving money. How can we go to the spending money bit? What sort of hobbies and things do you like to do to use your money? Yeah, sure.
1: Down? So I um I got into indoor rock climbing about three years ago.
0: Oh, tell me more.
1: Um, well, I I was into my fitness anyway. So uh, uh, although my screen name is Fat Brit Abroad, that's a I'm more slightly chubby Brit abroad now. Um, so I, I was into kind of weightlifting and stuff, but I was getting bored with it. Um, so I decided to uh, to try something a bit more interesting. Um, so, yeah, so I now indoor rock climb about three times a week. Um, and I like the, the fact that the routes are always changing and it's quite technical. So but how
0: does that work if they change them? Are they all movable?
1: Yes, yes, all the routes. So you have um, what you call top roping, which is uh, where the routes are already set up uh, with the rope on there. And then you have what they call lead climbing, which is a bit more like outdoor climbing, where you kind of hook on as you go up. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then you also have an area called bouldering where there's no ropes at all.
0: What sort of height are we talking about for all of these?
1: Um, so the the, the top roping is and the lead roping you probably go up 60, 70 feet mm-hmm. something like that. And then the bouldering is much lower. Obviously, you're probably maybe ten foot off the ground, um, and it's obviously probably crash matted and everything. But you, yeah, it, it, you you can injure yourself if you fall off. But, uh, but, yeah, it's just, uh, as I say, it's just it's more interesting than the gym. It's great for your core workout, um, and it's actually very technical. Once you learn how to climb, it's much more about using your legs than it is brute strength. You, you tend to find women are much better climbers than men. Um, so for, for that reason, that they, they learn the technique a lot better rather than just trying to rely on brute strength. Um, so, uh, so, what does a climbing so, yeah. session
0: involve? How many times do you go up and down? Or,
1: um, you can do various things. So, I probably I, I climb for a couple of hours at a time. Now I'm a bit fitter. Um, and uh, sometimes I climb by myself and use auto belay, what they call auto belays. They kind of let you down. You can climb on your own, or I go with a climbing partner. Yeah, so you go. You probably uh, do maybe twelve or um, thirteen routes. Uh Depends how fit you are, really. I mean, when you start with when you start, you'll probably do half an hour and you'll be done. Um, And then I normally go into the bouldering area, which is more. I I kind of call the top roping more like uh, a stamina building. Because they're long routes, and then the bouldering area is much more strength based. They're short, very intense routes. Um, so, so yeah, that that's the kind of uh, makeup of it. Oh, so
0: yeah, ever progress to outdoor rock climbing, is that much. I haven't been or? brave enough yet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I uh,
1: yeah, I, uh, I never think I'm good enough. Although the, the guy I climb with has been climbing about thirteen years. Since so it says I could I could definitely do it so that might be something to have a go at yeah, uh, I at guess. some point I have, I have some friends down who live near Cheddar Gorge uh-huh. so uh, I might go down there and have a go at it it
0: just seems a bit less convenient I guess finding a appropriate rock outside yeah, yes and We're then I believe you have to hike
1: to most <laughs> mm-hmm. in the UK but mm-hmm. as I say the Cheddar Gorge area is very good for outdoor, outdoor climbing um but it's a yeah it's it's a totally different sport outside i think i, I prefer the nice safe risk assessed <laughs> <laughs> it must be the insurance person it? yeah
0: do you have to all wear helmets and protective gear
1: or no you have harnesses but no you don't uh, the the children tend to wear helmets um but no the adults you don't need to wear no. them. um you, you just have harnesses and special shoes like rubber, rubber sole shoes to help with the grip.
0: Do they make a lot of difference? Those shoes.
1: They do actually, yeah. Uh, um, especially as you start to do the harder climbs, the, the the rubber soles. In as I say, you learn to use your feet. It's much more about getting your body weight over you over your feet. Um I kind of liken it a bit to I don't know if you've ever skied. No. Um, but the uh, yeah it's people who've the the kind of listeners who've skied before where they tell you to really lean your weight over your feet and Mm -hmm. um, it's very similar to rock climbing you almost have to put your knees over your over your toes which I know they always tell you in a lot of sport not to do that but uh, it's really about getting your weight over your feet so you can push yourself up the wall rather than using your arms
0: so, yeah. If look at it, it, always looks like it's a pull sport, but it's actually a push.
1: Yes, yeah, a lot of a lot of uh, as I say, a lot a lot of women think, oh, we haven't got the upper body strength to do that, but it
0: you,
1: you generally find that women are much better climbers mm-hmm. for that reason.
0: And you say that there's is there easier routes and harder routes marked out for you?
1: Yes, yeah. So they start at about a grade four and go up to uh, a seven. And then within that, you have like uh, five, five plus, six A, six A plus, six B, six B plus, six C. So w- once you get up to the, the kind of fours and fives, you kind of start roots. Mm-hmm. And then once you get into the sixes, they're, they're what I call kind of proper climbs. I'm climbing at about a 6b level, which has taken me about three years to get there, because as I say, I'm not really built for rock climbing, <laughs> I'm a bit I'm a bit chubby, so uh, most of the people you see down there are kind of carved out of granite, so um, so yeah, but I'm happy with that, it's a good level to climb at, so... yeah,
0: uh, that's great that you've got there. About
1: ...enjoyment, yeah. So, so yeah, that's my main hobby. And then, um, as I say, traveling, I I go away three or four times a year. What sort of places? So, my dad has an apartment in Spain. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I go to that quite a lot. So, that's where the kind of fat Brit abroad comes from. That's where I'd ultimately like to retire to. Okay. Um, And... uh, We're we're off to New York and Panama at Christmas.
0: Lovely. So
1: the other thing I do is, uh, I I guess in America they call it travel hacking, so I collect avios and air miles, and we use those for probably every three or four years. We get to go somewhere long haul with a bed, which is something, you know, even with a high income, I'd never dream of spending the kind of money that you have to spend for business class flights. Ah, uh-huh,
0: so you use your um, to upgrade.
1: Yeah, so as an example, New York at Christmas, two nights in a hotel in New York before we travel to, internally to, uh, to Panama, well not internally, but um, down to Panama, uh, is about a thousand pound, which is about what you'd pay for two economy flights. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah i use the the british airways premier plus card and all all our kind of non-bill spending goes through that so my girl my partner and i's petrol and, um, all our shopping everything that isn't a household bill basically all my work expenses mm-hmm. all go through that card and then i pay it off at the end of the month
0: well you get enough for a good holiday
1: yeah, so as I say and then if you spend over a certain amount every year on that you get uh, something called a companion voucher uh-huh. so it basically means that you buy one ticket in any class of flight um, and uh, you get a, a, a basically a second flight free with that which is a, an amazing benefit
2: uh-huh.
1: so if you have uh, as I say, if you have kind of fifty or a hundred thousand air miles, which doesn't take that long to to uh, to build up with all your petrol and everything, um, you can go to yeah, you can go to New York too of you for that. That's great. Yeah. So. Uh, That's a great
0: so, yeah, so, yeah. So what's Panama so, like?
1: Um, it's. It's an interesting mix, like most places like that, I guess. It's uh, you know Panama City. You could be in London, to be honest. Oh. It's a very, a very wealthy city, um, and then just outside that, you have quite extreme poverty. Um, so it's it's like a lot of these these kind of countries. It, it, there's a real dichotomy in the in the people there between the haves and the have-nots and
2: yeah.
1: um, it's uh it's uh, spanish speaking so uh, so yeah that's my other hobby at the moment we're trying to learn spanish
0: how's that coming <laughs> um,
1: uh i see i see <laughs> <laughs> which means <laughs> so 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 yeah we've had about seven or eight lessons at the oh. moment so yeah, I'm a great believer that if you're going to move to a country, you should, uh, or spend any kind of great amount of time, that you should be able to do a bit more than, than just ask for the bill yeah. <laughs> and, order, and order a beer. <laughs> it's so
0: you're uh, going to get to the so, next level.
1: Yeah, just just to be able to converse, and so you can actually get into the culture of the the country.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so so yeah, so Panama's really nice, uh, my dad lives about an hour outside of there, uh, out of, outside of Panama City. Um, he chose to live there obviously for, for income tax reasons, so some people may have a kind of diff- uh, differing views on that, um, but uh, it was mainly because he was working in America. Um, for the last eight or nine years of uh, of his working career.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And uh, America's not quite as generous as uh, as they are over here with uh, with regards to tax and obviously health insurance. Uh-huh. So it's a very expensive country if you don't qualify for Medicaid or anything to, to try and retire in. Yeah,
0: so hence he's um, in Panama now.
1: Yes, <laughs> yeah.
0: Does he ever want to come back to the UK or?
1: I don't think so. No, no. I think he's very happy there. So he spends his time kind of they they tour around America a lot. Uh, they cruise between America and, and Europe a lot of the time. Um, so he does come back to visit quite a lot, but I don't see him as much as a much as I'd like to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't I don't really blame him. You know, from my point, like I say, pe- people people. I know Panama has a bit of a reputation, but he's, you know, from his point of view, he's not, he's not doing, any, he's not hiding anything. He's declared everything to, to UK tax authorities. So he's not one of these dodgy people who are hiding money. Not in the
0: Panama <laughs> Papers, then. No.
1: Yes. Yeah. I I got back from my first trip there just after all that broke. <laughs> um. <laughs> And I did I did say to him if your lawyers call Fonseca, I suggest you get in your canoe and paddle back to America. <laughs> so um but no, it's uh, yeah, from his point of view he's paid he's paid a lot of income tax in America, he's paid a lot over here and he just wants to, to enjoy what he's got. He's not a multimillionaire or anything like that, so as I say, he's not hiding anything. So yeah. um and he's he has contributed a lot. I don't know what your thoughts are on the, on the tax rate in the UK, if I'm allowed to ask you a question. Oh, yeah.
0: It's a very nuanced question. It is. Because there's certain bits I disagree with and other bits I think they don't go far enough.
1: I probably agree with you. It's, um, like Income
0: tax itself is very progressive and maybe a bit too progressive. Yeah. from me my, my point it seems to discourage innovation and work and yeah. encourages lots of people to not work past a certain point and
1: yeah
0: and avoiding
1: and yeah. <laughs> uh, people like it's me, amazing really. how your, it's amazing how your uh, your perception of it changes. I used to you know when I was earning 25 30k a year I'd sit there and go well it's only right that people are earning more than 44k you know, pay pay forty percent on anything above that. It's that's a huge amount of money, and then you suddenly realise that it, certainly in the south it isn't that much.
0: Yeah, and I
1: think just, none of us it, are driving around in Ferraris, are we? Exactly.
0: Yeah, it just ultimately <laughs> drives the increase in salary to compensate with it. It mm. makes the quadrants more exponential.
1: They do. Yeah, that's a very good way of thinking. And it is yeah. because
0: of that tax. As you say, my brother, when he visited, he laughed at all these 400k houses, had like fiestas in front of them, I went, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. just a normal house. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. So,
0: um... But there's definitely areas we could get better on, you know, some companies are really chancing it, I think.
1: I think so, yeah. You uh, know, yeah.
0: Luxembourg yeah. and Isle of Man and when the business is up. actually done in the UK. <laughs>
1: I think. I think equally. I think a wealth tax, and we've yeah. had a couple of discussions on some of the blog comments on inheritance tax.
0: Yeah, I'm pro inheritance tax, but lots
1: of people yeah, seem so have a touchy
0: feelings I, I on think,
1: it. Yeah, it, despite someone who, you know, if if my dad doesn't spend it all, like I, you're I should be in a position <laughs> to inherit a, a fair amount. I actually, you know, I actually think we should pay tax on that. I um, I I I wouldn't have a problem. I I think a good way would be the income of the person who's inheriting. I that seems fair to me. Um, So you know, if if you're inheriting a million pound, I don't I don't see the problem in having to give four hundred thousand of that towards you know the hospitals we use and 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 the schools that that if you have children. Which I I don't at the moment, but um, I don't see that as a problem.
0: Um, We tax unearned and earned income differently. Yes. Which sort of leads to wealth being perpetuated and inequality. Because once you get to a level, you learn that you don't maybe want to earn salary, you want to earn dividends.
1: Yes. So yeah, retirement planning in England is actually a very generous Country from, as you say, if you're if you're being paid in dividends rather than salaried income, it's it's a pretty generous country to be honest.
0: Yeah, uh, someone did yeah. something, I can't remember who it was online, and said it was about twenty four k you can get tax free in the UK yeah, if you so enjoy a, your income.
1: Yep. Yeah, so if you're a married couple and you've been contributing to to pensions and ISAs, you can probably get uh, you know nearly fifty k out between huh. you without paying, with paying very, very little or no tax, yeah, which is, yeah, we, we, we give Panama a run for our money, I think, in, in that
0: situation. Yeah. I think uh, we just make it too complicated at times.
1: And... We do. I think we make, you know, certainly pensions and things like that, you know, I... I it seems to be unusual in the FI community in that I'm quite open at work about wanting to retire early. Mm-hmm. And, and, and uh, I, I know that's a controversial thing, but I, I, I like helping people um, with, with their finances. So quite a few people come and talk to me about um, share-safe schemes and things like that we have at work just because mm-hmm. they just don't understand them and pensions. So I've helped quite a few people at work. So that's quite rewarding. Um, to be able to do that. so I think you kind of have to put yourself out there a bit. Um, yeah, it sounds like you do to, uh, really to got... spread the fire
0: yeah <laughs> the idea of giving back to society and helping others
1: Yes yeah, yeah. it's you know it's something I, I, I'm not very good at a lot of things but I do understand money I, I feel. Um, so so it's You're something that I'd like
0: expertise. Yeah.
1: yes, yeah
0: it so brings us into the topics we've been sort of going around, like equality and privilege. How would you yeah. say we are in the UK lately? Um, Is it an equal country? Are we getting better? Getting worse? Um,
1: I I think it's becoming worse, mainly around potentially home ownership. I guess I'm mm-hmm. two minds of that. I, I you know I although I come from a, a privileged background. I've, I've never been one of these people who've taken money off my family so everything I've got I've, I've earned myself um, so I I came through um, the kind of shared ownership scheme in terms of home ownership so I saved and deposit bought part, part equity into a house um, but it, it, it does seem to have got I mean it was hard enough when I did it um, Seventeen years ago, I bought my first house at 20. Um, And now, you know, people like my my lodger, although although he probably earns above average salary, certainly in Reading, you just, there's no way he can buy anything. Yeah. Mm. Um, Even with a help to buy scheme or something like that, it's the amount of deposit he'd need. Um, So, and for a lot of people, especially with the the fact that they don't understand investments. Your house is often your biggest asset um, and it's certainly a way of uh, of building wealth. Um, I, I wouldn't call my house an investment, but it's certainly an asset. Mm. I think you, you agree with that in your blog, oh, definitely, don't you? yeah. I
0: definitely could so, liquidate.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think certainly around home ownership um, and the fact that uh, that people obviously have to pay for for further education now equally I, I think a lot of people are too hung up on on further education and you know that they have to go to university to get a good job I I didn't go to university mm-hmm. I could have done you know I went to a private school and uh, it, yeah, it was so upset the, their statistics. Well, exactly. That's that's the that's it. I'm I'm, I'm uh, I, I think is wrong. Really, uh, a lot of the drive to um, to go into further education is, it stems from the league tables, and mm-hmm. it's 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 bad in the public sector, let alone the private sector. And
2: mm-hmm. um,
1: and I I hear um, from some of the business meetings i attend that it's just as bad now they're, they're trying to bring in vocational work and a lot of the headmasters won't let the vocational tutors into the schools because the perception of the parents is that it, it's uh, it's somehow a lower class to be a tradesperson mm-hmm. which is just ridiculous you know some of my wealthiest clients are builders and plumbers and and I, you know, I can't do what they do. <laughs> so yeah. we need those people. They're, you know, just because you work with your hands does not make you any less of a person Ugh. than working in an office, in my opinion. So... We um, definitely
0: need to start that out, don't we? There's too many people with degrees and not really the right yeah. jobs. We're cutting people out of jobs that would normally get them because they don't have a degree nowadays.
1: Yeah, and I think it dilutes the what I, you know... I think if you, are it, it dilutes the the achievement of getting a degree nowadays. You know, there's friends of mine that went on to university, having got one E at A level,
0: <laughs> you know,
1: the best one in the world. They don't need to be in a degree. Yeah, they're
0: not the most academic,
1: uh, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. So you know, some of the courses you can do now, I don't, I don't see the point in them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I went into a profession and and did further education in my profession. So I, I did you know I did do further education. I just didn't do it at a university. And do
0: you think it's ever held you back not having that degree?
1: I think I think it took me longer to get into the high high earning bracket. I think it depends on what you're going to do. Um, you know, if you're going to go into medicine or law or although even accountancy now you can do on the job training I, I believe um, so I don't think it's necessarily a barrier. Um, I think it can take a little longer but I think a lot of it is down to your work ethic yeah um, so I spent a lot of years doing a lot of hours <laughs> to get to get where I am um you know probably. 12 13 hour days
2: yeah.
1: um, through my 20s mm-hmm.
2: um,
1: and that that more than anything has got me got me to where I am and having the right attitude with work
0: yeah so you're um, much more hard work putting the hours in and being in the right yeah. frame of mind
1: yeah so although I don't work like that now <laughs> I'm I'm enjoy it having a better work life balance now <laughs>
0: that's what we all see, isn't it yes one thing I'm going to ask you about I'm not asking you before what's your thoughts on the environment and the sustainability of the planet
1: um, it's something I think more of nowadays I didn't used to pay too much attention to it if I'm honest um, but yeah we are it's certainly as uh, you know I'm planning Potentially to start a family next year and you do you do wonder what you're gonna leave as you uh, You know in terms of a planet to your children and so we are you know, we do we do the usual things we recycle Mm -hmm. Um, And my girlfriend's actually better better than me. I think she's she started uh, there's a shop near where where she works where you can buy Refills for things like uh, washing up liquid.
2: Without other plastic.
1: Yeah, so that's a really good idea. So I think I think shows like like you know the likes of David Attenborough and Blue Planet has kind of put it on the radar with people. Yeah. So it's something I'm more conscious of now, and I think Mm -hmm. people are more conscious, um, and that's driving. You know, change. I know some of the supermarkets are doing away with some of the packaging. I think we do. I think we've got a long way to go. Mm -hmm. But I think it is more on the agenda now. And it's like anything in our capitalist society, it's the consumers that will drive it. Yeah. So making small changes in the way you purchase things. You know, going for more sustainable. If you if you're a fish eater, going for more sustainable fish or Trying to consciously reduce your your carbon footprint, it, it'll inevitably drive businesses to to target those consumers. Um, I'm not uh, with being an index investor. I'm not an ethical investor. I don't think that's really taken cut off the ground at the moment. Um, uh, personally, but um,
0: yeah, I think lots of it's quite subjective as well. On the yeah, there's a lot the of line. ethical
1: firms that, yeah, you could argue whether they're actually ethical or not. Yeah,
0: isn't <laughs> The that's one that came challenge. up oh, when I was looking, like, checking nothing I had had guns in it. Oh, right. Like, Walmart comes up because okay. they flog guns in some, yeah. what I'd call backwardsy places.
1: Yeah, like America. Yeah, those <laughs> places. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I'm just like, okay. But they do say it's not a big part of their balance sheet or anything. But no, they do do it. And where do you draw the line? It,
1: yeah, it's like anything with these things. It's uh, you have to you have to draw your own line, I guess, don't you?
0: Exactly. And that's probably nobody's getting into it. Even nowadays, most of the environmental efforts are driven by the oil companies, really.
1: Yes. Um, and again, I don't. I don't know whether that's a bad thing. I mean, I know the oil companies have a bad reputation, but equally. For them to survive, they're gonna to have to diversify into renewables and I I think that will that will come to the good in the mm-hmm. end. And
0: they're and we're ultimately already seeing ener- it
1: with cars.
0: Yeah. They're ultimately energy companies rather than oil, aren't they? Yeah. yeah just I suppose yeah. Pivoting themselves to brand appropriately yeah. nowadays. Good to ask you now. I've got these five questions I want okay. to ask everyone exactly the same sort of way. So are you ready, Fabric Broad, for the Yeah, I can do that. Questions? So what would you do if tomorrow you've got a one million pound windfall?
1: I'd probably help my mum out. What? So she's not very good with money, so <laughs> I'll, I'd probably pay a mortgage off for her. Okay. Uh, and then I'd be very dull and probably invest the rest. Would you <laughs> um Yeah, that's probably not. Would you I change go, your life? I, 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 I might. Not really. I don't think I used to. I've changed a lot over the last Mm -hmm. four or five years. I used to want bigger and bigger and better and better. And that's one thing that the FI community's kind of taught me is Mm -hmm. just just be satisfied. I've got enough. You know, I've got more than I feel very lucky. Um, You know, I've got more than a lot of people. And I'm comfortable. I'm secure, and I'm healthy, and that's all you, all I really need. So I'd probably spend some of it on a round the world trip, go and see a few more places. So I I haven't seen a lot of the Far East, so I really want to do that. And Australia, and Thailand, and New Zealand. So I'd probably go and see them. Um, I wouldn't necessarily give up work yet. I don't. uh, I'm more at the retirement optional. I think. Um, but yeah, I definitely want to travel. Um, so I'd probably do do a, a few long haul trips and maybe take a sabbatical from work.
0: Sounds like great plan. Um, so the next question is, do you have, and if so, when did you last update our financial spreadsheet?
1: Uh, right before starting this podcast, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so I have the figures, hand Okay. I, I use, um, I use uh, an app called Money Hub oh, for right. most of my kind of day-to-day stuff, but mm-hmm. I do have a very, very so – I am not technically minded, so I have a very, very simple spreadsheet with all my different accounts on um, tracking interest rates and when they come up on cash accounts and what dividends I get off, off uh, shares uh-huh. and things like that. So, it's, as I say, it's very simple, but it does the job
0: all in one place.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I, I tend to update that once a month, whereas the money the month that obviously updates in real time.
0: Yeah, and the next question's deliberately vague. So people yep. in the FI community tend to like learning. Are you yep. willing to share something in any sort of sphere that you've learned lately with us?
1: It, it would probably be the Spanish that oh. we're learning at the moment, as I say. Uh, we're, we're doing we're doing that once a week. So um, so yeah, learning a language it's something I've never done before. I learnt the odd bit of French or German at school, but uh-huh. that's a completely new thing, way outside my comfort zone. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's been really fun. And from a five point of view, I guess letting go of your emergency fund. Yeah, I think is you because you get, yeah, yeah, I think it's something I'd never really considered before, but it's it's about the opportunity cost of having that emergency fund. Mm-hmm. I, I certainly think when you start out, you should have an emergency fund, but I think once you get a bit further down the line, um, it's something you can consider depending on your risk appetite. Mm-hmm. So that, yeah, I, I guess that, that made me rethink.
0: Looking back on your own life and with hindsight, is there anything you think you'd have done differently?
1: Uh, I would never, ever, ever have leased cars really? <laughs> like I have for the last six years. <laughs> that, yeah, in terms of straight cash, that probably cost me about £40,000 over the last six years, and uh, in terms of opportunity cost, you could probably probably add 50% to that in terms of investment gains I've lost, So, uh-huh. um, so yeah.
0: So the final question I want to end towards is: When are you happiest? Could you take us to your happy place?
1: Yeah, it's probably my dad's apartment. To be honest, um, the the two bits uh, I struggle in terms of um, the kind of fire, kind of frugal living is my house and my car, mm-hmm. and I think that's semi a product of of the UK kind of mentality. Um, you know, you, 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 an Englishman's home is his castle, um, and the the car is a bit of a status symbol and a, an advert to the world, I guess. But um, in Spain, I'm quite happily pootling around in a little Fiat Uno. Um, the apartment's lovely. You know, it's it's hardly a you know it's hardly a step down kind of thing. It's a three bed place, but it's it's not the same as a as the house but i'd be quite happy living in that mm-hmm. um, long term and just using it as a base to travel the world so that that would be my happy place i yeah. think is just to get away from the consumerism and and uh, and uh, and as i say use it as a base to to travel and see cultures i hope that's a good answer
0: like it. <laughs> it's all about the person isn't it yeah. And everybody has some really different definitions. But I've found yeah. so far, lots of people happiest places are their own home.
1: Yeah. Lots
0: yeah, of people's at that beach and lots it, of people's outdoors and. Yeah.
1: No. I like I say. I think that I, uh, I love my house and you know it's it is you know especially now my partner's moved in. She moved in a couple of years ago yeah. and it's much more of a home than it ever was. But but yeah, long term it. What I thought was my forever home won't be, definitely not. Um, so, so yeah. As I say, I, I could see me being a bit of a nomad, to be honest.
0: <laughs> Even if you upgrade the family to a little one.
1: Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that may that may put it back a couple of years, <laughs> but people do it. You've only got to look at the like the escape artists. Yeah, and not everything's about money. That... I can't believe I'm saying that <laughs> yeah.
0: i have quote you in there <laughs>
1: yeah
0: Indeed. so I think that's all the questions is there anything else you want to cover that we've not t- touched upon?
1: no I don't think so just thank you to everyone for your for your blog so I've, I've found it really interesting I wish I was brave enough to start my own I've really enjoyed not just the numbers side but the, uh, the human interest stories uh, it's, it's been really interesting
0: Thank you so much yeah. for coming on the podcast today.
1: No, thank you for... Thank you for... Inter-
0: That's all for today. Thanks for listening. Show notes are on the website, www.ukfipod.space. You can also send any questions through the website or email at hello at ukfipod.space. Our intro and closing music is Julie Maxwell's Zia or Freedom.